0: This is the Horse Radio Network. I'm Glenda Geek from Ocala, Florida.
1: And I am Allison Renborg, and you are listening to the monthly Equine Affair episode of Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for Equine Affair, Episode 1. Good morning, Horse World.
2: It's the third Thursday of the month. That means it's time for the Equine Affair episode, North America's premier equine expo and equestrian gathering.
0: Allison, we're so excited to have you here. Welcome to your first episode of Horses in the Morning.
1: Thank you. It's it's kind of thrilling. I'm not going to lie. I'm really <laughs> excited.
0: <laughs> well, we've known each other for a long time through HP and, you know, I've chatted over the years many times. And uh, when we chatted this year, I was so excited. You were like, I think we should be doing something like this. And we just had an, happened to have an opening. So it was perfect.
1: It was perfect, and it was it was funny. I'd been thinking about it and thinking about it before the conference, which was in May, I think. And I was like, "Oh, are you gonna are you gonna do it? Are you gonna ask Glenn about this? I don't know." And I was very nervous, but <laughs> you you made it easy, of course, because you're easy to talk to. I mean, I think our our first conversation, uh, Lisa Wasaki introduced us at an airport. Um, oh, that's, that's right, for- <laughs> I
0: forgot about. That. <laughs>
1: yes. We were all waiting on uh, our flights. And so we were chatting about Renaissance festivals and that that's kind of right. thing. So.
0: You were a Renny, right? I was uh, for four
1: years, I want to say.
0: Yeah. That's about what I. That's about how long I stayed in it, too. It was about four years. Where were you at, at the Renaissance? Uh,
1: the Tennessee Renaissance Festival. So that takes place in Triune, Tennessee.
0: I've never been to that one. That's one I've, I haven't been to. I've been to a lot of them, but I haven't been to that one. That one sounds fun.
1: It's really, really hot, if you can imagine. (laughs) May in Tennessee, it's hot, it's humid, and the time period is Elizabethan.
0: So lots of layers. (laughs) Lots
1: of (laughs) layers. I think I counted one year. I was very hardcore about my costume, and I had, I think, 14 or 15 layers on. (laughs) And
0: and they're all wool. That's the other thing. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I wore a lot of wool back then. Yeah. Yeah. I remember those days. Well, that's very cool. Well, now we're here to talk about uh, horses and equine uh, events and expos and things like that. So let's chat a little bit about Equine Affair in this episode every month. What we're hoping to do is highlight different people that you have that are connected to Equine Affair in some way. But it's, it's not going to be a big infomercial for Equine Affair every month. We are getting right. these people on to actually help us with training tips and to learn something along the way, right?
1: Absolutely, because equine affair is all about education. And I mean, that's sort of one of the like what the number one rule in the horse industry, right? You're never done learning. Um, So that's really what we want to bring you is sort of a taste of equine affair every month in this episode so that you can go, hey, I learned something cool today by listening to that episode. So that's yeah, that's kind of our goal. We want you to learn cool things and hear about maybe new people that you haven't heard of before or that you haven't been to a clinic by before. So that's really our hope.
0: And who do we have coming up today?
1: Yeah. So today, so since this is our first episode with Horses in the Morning, we wanted to start off with Kogi Long. She is our president. She bought the company in 2018, um, but she has been working for the company for many years. So she's going to share a little bit about the history of the event, sort of an overview, and then give us a little preview about this fall because we've got an event coming up in November. Uh, And then after Kogi, we're going to have Steve Lantvitt. He is a general horsemanship clinician. He's also a ranch horse guy. So if that name rang a bell for you. And you're a ranch horse person, that's probably why. And he's going to share tips with you about eliciting true collection from your horse. So getting your horses to really carry themselves up underneath you. And then finally, we're going to have equestrian and professional trainer Lori Duff from Canada. She's going to join us to talk about one of my favorite topics, which is communication with your horse. So not just what can you tell your horse, but what is your horse telling you?
0: Very good. Well let's get it started. And first up today I asked you to do this was bring on Kogi Long to talk about a little bit about the history of the event and how it's how it's transpired all these years and how it's changed and grown and all and a look at some new things coming up. Well hi Kogi, thanks for joining us today.
3: Why, hello, Glenn and Allison. It's wonderful to be here, and thanks for having me on the show.
0: Well, I wanted to welcome you to the show, too, because you guys are taking over this spot on Horses in the Morning, the the longest-running daily podcast in the world. And we're so excited to have you join us because, you know, Equine Affairs has been a part of many of our lives that are listening to this right now.
3: Yes, absolutely. No, I think this is going to be a wonderful partnership. We are thrilled to be here with you and can't wait to see where it takes us. So Kogi, I
0: remember we went out for the first equine affair in Ohio.
3: Started in Ohio in 1994, was the first event in Ohio in Dayton. Um, And we were in Dayton for three years and naturally outgrew that facility rather quickly and then moved to the Ohio Expo Center in 1997. And we have been there ever since. So going on, well, I think we've been there more than 25 years at this point, and our Massachusetts event started in 1998, as I mentioned there a minute ago, and this will be our 24th there, year there um, this fall. So, long-running, um, I guess, event expo, and we're we're pretty proud of it.
0: You should be. And you got involved in 2018, is that correct, as president?
3: Um, as president, yes. In 2018, I actually worked for the company at in, beginning in 2003, um, started kind of in our marketing department and worked my way around all the different departments and, and worked my way up. And um, when the original founder, Eugenia Snyder, was ready to retire, um, it just kind of was a, a natural fit to take over the reins and keep steering the ship, you might say.
0: I'm going to ask you a tough question for, for the president of the company. What
3: makes <laughs>
0: <Sure>. <laughs> what makes Equine Affair unique in your mind, compared to the other what seems like thousand you know, expos out there?
3: Sure. Well, I think part of what makes us stand out is that we were one of the first ones actually created in the United States, and from that, we we built it from the ground up in terms of listening to what the attendees want and need, and kind of catering our show to really bring the industry together. Um, I think we have a wonderful blend of both education oriented presentations to a vast trade show, and we also mix entertainment and competition in there with it. So I think we've, we've carefully kind of made our blend and we're constantly tweaking it, but um, certainly hold ourselves to high standards and we're, we're always evolving and trying to make it the best that it can be in the whole, whole country.
0: We were one of the first show. We were the first show, actually, to talk about COVID at the early days before it even became mainstream news. We were warning everybody about it, uh, and that boy, that had to be a scary time for you guys. And glad to see that in, the, in you know in the past, I'm sure.
3: Yes, yes, seeing it in the rearview mirror is, is definitely a great thing for us. Um, it was a very challenging time. I, I won't deny that it was scary at certain points of it too. Um, going almost two years without holding an event is a really long time for a company that's um, small in our nature in terms of having the number of employees that we employ, and um, but big in scope in terms of the impact on the industry. So it was a trying time. Um, fortunately, we have an amazing team of staff members who really kind of helped us out and trying to do whatever they needed to do to help the company really carry through that challenging time. And we were ready to come back when COVID was allowing us to do so. And we really just kind of came back with a a big bang. Had two fantastic events, one last fall in Massachusetts and another one in Ohio. And so we're we're excited to keep that momentum going.
0: Were you surprised at the pent-up demand or did you expect it?
3: Um, I kind of expected it, but it was hard to know exactly what was going to happen. Um, I know a lot of people still seem to have reservations, but the horse industry itself, I think, is pretty resilient. And they were more than ready to, to get out and get back and
0: do what they love. Let's let's be honest. They were just ready to spend their moldy money that had been sitting around because they hadn't been to an expo <laughs> to buy anything. So that's the...
3: Well, it's... <laughs> It's a wonderful way to do that, for sure. (laughs) Especially Massachusetts right before Christmas. (laughs) Yes, yes, certainly.
0: Was Massachusetts timed that way to be right before Christmas? Was that in the thought process?
3: Um, That kind of helped or kind of came together that way. Obviously, we had our Ohio event in the spring, so we didn't want something that was too close to that from a production standpoint. And based on the way the dates fell for availability at the Eastern States Exposition, um, that's kind of how we landed in, in early November. So it's, it is great timing for the, the holiday Christmas shopping season. Um, but at the same time, from a, a production side of it, it, it works very well for us, too.
0: Where does it go from here? What, what, what do you have coming that you can talk about that's new, different, exciting, you know, than, than we've done for 20, 30 years? <laughs>
3: Sure. Um, Well, this fall, I think we have a a great lineup of clinicians. We have a a good variety of some new people that um, have not been to the Massachusetts or any of our events before. Um, That would include, let's see, we have Nona Garson coming to Massachusetts for the first time, um, Bill Warren for dressage, Jane Carroll for dressage as well. Um, Mixing some Western dressage in there with Leslie Lopardo. Karen Black will be doing Rained Cow Horse. Um, Michael Gascon will be doing Easy Gated Horses. Ty Evans with Mules. Um, Caleb Carinci-Ash with a lunging presentation. And then he's also quite a daring act in Fantasia. So he will be one of your your thrillers that you'll see in our evening show. Um, And a variety of other kind of seminar and demo presentations as well. So I think... Clinic lineup: We have our headliners that um, some people may have seen in the past, but it's been a while. Um, Jonathan Fields will be coming from yeah. Canada. We'll have Pat Pirelli, Steve Lancet, which will be on the show a little bit later here. Um, Scott Purdom and Lori Duff is also a new presenter for us, coming from Canada. So there's there's some great um, things coming in the educational program, and also some great opportunities for people to ride with one of those professionals um, if they are interested in applying. So really our, our educational program is, is kind of our cornerstone and something we we really put a lot of thought and effort into preparing for each event. Um, but then there's also other fun stuff um, in the mix as well. For this year, we're excited to partner with the ASPCA's Right Horse Initiative for our adoption affair. Um, and we've we've hosted our adoption affair for a few years in Massachusetts now, but um, this, this year we're, we're, actually partnering with the ASPCA and we're also going to showcase the horses for sale and for adoption on Thursday and Saturday at this event. So they will have time in the Coliseum to, to show people what their horses are, what they can do, um, and give them just a little bit of a better idea of what they are out of the stall, um, rather than just seeing them in the stall. So I think that'll be a great new addition, um, on that side of things. I could, can- and the breed <laughs>
0: You know, I could geek out go on ahead. this for a long time because, we've been, you know, as I said, I've been going to these for a long time. And yes. it's been interesting to see the cycles. It, there's been a cycle with, with uh, Expos. Uh, you know, for a long mm-hmm. time there, it was the same five clinicians doing all of them, right? Um, and right. you guys kind of led the way in saying, hey, we have to break that bubble. We have to give people something different, something new every year. You also were mm-hmm. one of the first ones to go, hey, like we got to bring English into this, too. Because for a long time there it was only Western clinicians, and you know, then you guys again were the leaders in trying to diversify that out, and that's important because it it could stale otherwise.
3: Right, right, exactly, exactly. No, there's there's always an evolution in the equine industry, and we're constantly trying to keep tabs on what's coming, what's new. Um, Obviously, Western dressage and liberty seem to be a very popular um, topic right now, so we're we're proud to have that included in our, our programs. And, and yes, we're, we're always trying to really look at ways to bring the whole industry together. It's ways for us to learn from other disciplines and other clinicians take bits and pieces and apply it to your own riding and, and see what formula works for you. Absolutely. Because,
1: um, it's really fun when people come to equine affair and they're looking around and they realize, Oh, um, I see this where I could take this little piece of advice. So maybe they're walking through the trade show and they see one of our little clinics and they go, oh, I'm overhearing this great tip from a dressage clinician, even though I ride Western or they ride dressage and they overhear this really cool tip from a ranch horse clinician. And I think that's what's so cool about Equine Affair is that there's all that cross disciplinary stuff happening And it really is sort of the epitome of, but it happens in like a a few days. It's really concentrated. And I think that's what's so fun about pulling all those different disciplines in there, like liberty, like side saddle, like mules and that kind of thing.
0: Well, we're excited to be part of it, and uh, we're hoping to get there this year. We'll maybe have more announcements on that a little later in the year. But, you know, I, I was so excited. I've known Allison for a long time, and I was so excited to to chat with her and to get this rolling because you're the one expo that if they were going to be part of Horses in the Morning, you're the one we wanted to be part of it. So I'm I'm very excited about that.
3: Well, we, we certainly appreciate it, and um, we're we're more than excited to be with you here and making it all work. So well, hopefully we'll see you it. in
0: November in Massachusetts. Yes,
3: yes, absolutely.
0: <laughs> All right. Thanks, Kogi. Appreciate you it. and
3: everyone else. Yep. <laughs> You're
0: welcome.
1: So this is Allison, and I just wanted to drop in with sort of a, something you might not have heard about Kogi before. Uh, she was an active competitor in horseback riding. She's been doing that since she was a child. She actually earned several awards in college while riding for Finley, including three consecutive IHSA that. titles. Yeah. Oh, wow. And uh, these days, she competes in dressage still, and she trains and breeds warm bloods at her farm in West Mansfield, Ohio. You're invited to join us in West Springfield, Massachusetts, at the Eastern States Exposition on November 10th through the 13th, 2022, for Equine Affair. Elevate your equestrian experience by attending four days of educational horse clinics, sessions, and demonstrations Enjoy networking with fellow horse lovers, shopping the largest horse-related trade show in the East, participating in immersive horse activities, watching exciting competitions, and a whole lot more. Tickets are on sale now at equineaffair.com.
0: You have five months to get your credit cards paid down. (laughs) (laughs)
1: That's
0: that's, that's what I got out of that. (laughs) All right, who's coming up next?
1: So next we have Steve Landfit. He is a versatility performance horseman whose training program is based on trust, gentle hands, and a true partnership with the horse. Hi, Steve, and welcome to the first episode of the Equine Affair podcast with Horses in the Morning.
2: Hey, Allison, How are you?
1: So what are you up to today? What did we pull you away from?
2: Uh, I, I, I'm pretty much the same guy all the time. Uh, I, I get up early, I watch sunrise, and I feed and saddle horses i'm hands-on so um i'm very good cleaning a stall sweeping an aisle and feeding everybody
0: oh that's what i want to hear
2: that's (laughs) fine can you come over tomorrow my morning routine all the
0: time (laughs) we need some help can you come over tomorrow that'd be great
2: absolutely not i i'm I'm strictly on my property only okay i I lose that skill as i hit the entry gate (laughs) but i'm pretty good here
1: so that's the, that's the definition of hands on horsemanship, right? You clean the stalls and you ride the horses.
2: You, you know something we, I had, I, I had a gentleman that worked for me for years and uh, he had some health issues. He left and, and we just started doing it. And, and, you know, something uh, strangely, uh, and I, 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 like it, you know, like, uh yeah. this, this is my golf. So, uh, I, I, you know, uh, I went to school for architecture, but, but uh, obviously I don't do that. My mom always says, you know, I work so hard, and 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 uh, I always laugh. I said, if I only have, if I had more money, I just have nicer equipment and better horses. I still do the same thing, <laughs> except I trade in tractors every year instead of waiting every three or four. <laughs> so, same same boat. That's all.
1: Yeah. Okay. So I have to ask you. I think Glenn would kick me if I didn't ask you. You went to school for architecture.
2: Uh, yes, I did. Yeah.
0: What?
1: Uh,
2: what the reason, was- reason reason being, uh, my, my mom's a teacher,
0: mm-hmm. and
2: uh, she uh, made it very clear that cowboys do not get a paycheck every Friday. And, <laughs> what? And I, she wasn't and wrong. I was, pick, <laughs> I was going to pick a career that I uh, was making sure I was going to get a paycheck every Friday. Uh, and and uh, that didn't pan out because I became a, a, a contractor and I was a builder. And uh, when I married my wife Jen, uh, the whole time through that I had horses and trained, but it was more of a for myself and things like that. And then after I got married, uh, my my wife Jennifer said, "If I'm I'm going to do this, I'm going to I'm going to go do it." So um, that that sort of gave me the. Uh, uh, the little push, and, and, and here we are now.
0: She didn't like paychecks every Friday, apparently. She's like, <laughs>
2: no, 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 no. She had a good paycheck every Friday. Okay. So her husband was allowed to go and try to figure out how to get one. So, oh, that's
1: so. a good woman. That's a good you woman betcha. right there. You <laughs> Don't let her go. Don't let her go.
2: No. Okay. Now, if I can only get her to clean stalls and then I can do it, but for some reason, I can't train <laughs> to do that. So, but she does make me breakfast every morning, so I can't complain.
1: No, you can't, man. You got it good.
2: There you go. Okay.
1: Well, I had to ask, and I, I think that's fascinating. And I love that your wife is the one who pushed you to do horses, and then we're lucky enough to learn from you now. So, so you're here today to talk about equine affair. You're here to talk about being one of our general horsemanship clinicians and ranch horse, right? Right. Yep. Very cool. We, so
2: we've done it, I think I've been there, uh, done Massachusetts a couple times now and, and uh, Ohio, I think two or three, uh, three times in Ohio. I think uh, this will be my third time in Massachusetts.
1: Nice. Yeah, so we're really looking forward to that. That's going to be in November, and mm-hmm. we can't wait to have you back with us again. It's going to be a little colder than, than it is now.
2: <laughs> you, you know, yeah, the The last time I was there, I left Texas. I left 90 degrees. It took us three days to go from West Texas to, to Massachusetts, mm-hmm. and, and I un- I loaded my horse at 90 degrees and unloaded him at, I think it was 10 and oh, you my see, God. he looked at me like, what are we, crazy? Yeah. I'm not was, living no, here, am like, You're not that.
0: leaving me, are you? We're not. No, <laughs> I
2: stuck it out with him. And then on Sunday, there was a horrible storm that was coming through. And I looked at my wife. I was exhausted. And I said, I love you. We're not spending the night load up. We're, and we're hitting the road. So <laughs> it's every time we, we've done it, it's always trying to get out underneath the wire before some, what is it? You guys have those nor'easters or whatever you get up there that just right. sort of. Well, they're not great. I'll just leave. Right?
1: <laughs> yeah, they're not great. I'm a I'm a girl from Tennessee. I've been to our Massachusetts event, uh twice now, and I'm always shocked at the weather up there. I'm like, oh wow, this is this is not where I left. This is not where I left. No,
2: no,
1: no. <laughs> nope, <nope, nope>, nope. <laughs> so, um, we're obviously excited that you'll get to join us. Hopefully, it will be warmer than 10 degrees in November. But with the weather the way it's been, who knows? Um, but something about. Uh, equine affair that we really want to talk about in the podcast is education, and we want people to learn things. And all of our visitors are going to learn things from you in November. But I was hoping you could share a little bit of, with us about uh, collection. I think that's the topic that your wife said that you wanted to talk about today. Right. So <sighs> can we can we talk about it? Um, so Glenn is more of a horse husband.
0: Uh, he. he I married me. this 30-some years ago. So <laughs> There you <yeah>. go. See? <laughs> He's
1: got a good woman, too. Yeah, <laughs> go. That's true. So give us the layman's explanation of collection. What is it?
2: Well, you, you know something? Uh, we're, I'll, I'll give you the layman's version of collection, which would be, you know, an engaged hind end and elevating the front end. Okay, mm-hmm. riding the horse from back to front versus from front to back. But the, the reason like uh, we'll bring it up is um, when we started doing this, I started training and we would do different clinics and then it sort of grew and we did a little bit of ranch versatility and competed. And now we start to do some rain cow horse stuff and I'm upping my game and I'm, I'm trying to train along the way. And I think you have to constantly get better. But um, what you really need to do is, you know, put put a recorder around a bunch of trainers. Okay. Mm. Don't let us know you're listening and take us to a show into the loping pen to warm up. Okay. Mm. Because at that moment, we're seeing everything and you only hear little phrases like, oh, good God. Oh, God, please stop hanging on that horse. I've gone over this with her. I don't know how many thousands of times. You're <laughs> not doing it. So, and it goes on and on and on. And stuff I can't even report, you know, repeat on air because <laughs> for some reason, I think collection. Is the is the one thing that is probably every horseman, no matter what discipline you're in, you, you're you're seeking it, you're after it,
3: mm-hmm. and it's
2: the one thing that probably eludes everybody because uh, at, you could always get a horse to stop. Okay, we've all heard, "Whoa, damn it!" Okay, damn it's most. <laughs> Damn it's the most <laughs> well. He's ridden in the car life. with me
0: before. Exactly.
2: <laughs> I have heard you. Okay, Glenn. I know what's happening out there. Damn it's just trotting off too fast. So you're all like, whoa, damn it, and he stopped. Right. Okay. <laughs> but but we can't we can't always get the collection part. And and you know something? I look back on it even through as myself as the student saying, you know, I just turned 51. And, and, you know, I think I'm pretty smart. At 41, I I, I knew I was smart. And and my 51 self looks back at the 31 self and says, well, he was sort of an idiot, but he he meant (laughs) well. And and my 51-year-old self looks at the 21-year-old self and says, my God, why did you not kill us? Because I was riding anything that showed up in a barn because I saw John Wayne the Cowboys. And I know how it's done. Okay? (laughs) So... We're trying to educate ourselves along the way. And, and this is the thing that e- even for us trainers, that we get it. But as the years go on, we get it better and better and better. OK, so the the collection, like for, for me, in terms of how I even coach my students. And, and I know this because I've had students that have ridden with me and then I might not them for 10 years. You know, they've done a clinic. And I mm-hmm. do something and they come up and they're like, Oh my God, that's totally different. So like with the collection, uh, how we're doing things now. And I, not that I've changed so much, but I, I, we're putting a lot of emphasis on, on lifting and elevating the shoulder, mm-hmm. uh, versus, versus keeping the hands down. Uh, I definitely don't rock the bit. Okay. Um, We're trying to gain that horse's trust, so he he literally comes up through your seat, through your pelvis, elevates that shoulder, rounds the back, engages the hind end, squeezing the legs and and things like that. And and I I watched those riders, uh, and and I I could close my eyes and go back in time, and and it was myself, uh, rocking the bit to say, oh, I'm shaking him off a bit. And, And I know there's a bunch of horses that probably wished I was a much better rider, 30 some years ago than, than I was because they weren't, I would always say, God, it's such a stupid horse. And I realized it wasn't, I was just such a stupid kid <laughs> that I couldn't get them to collect. So, um, I, I think in terms of like collection, that that's the thing that I, I coach to my students all the time, uh, for canter departures or lope offs, uh, for, for getting a horse to spin for, for rundowns for circling. Um, and it's really about elevating the shoulder and and getting that rider to open up his, his hips and lift that horse with that hug, uh, coming through his calves so that you could feel that horse literally rise underneath you. And, and, uh, I think the coolest thing is, if I do a good job in explaining it and I, and I get that rider to understand when we release, we don't release so quickly that we scare the horse by dropping the bit out of his mouth, that we mm-hmm. allow that horse to sort of follow it down and say, okay, here you go, partner. This is where I need you to be. When all of a sudden the, the rider's face, you can see that light bulb moment sometimes goes off. And they're like, oh, I got it. And I'm like, yeah. And then you see sometimes it's just a dim light. And they look at me and they're like, did I get it? And I'm like, do you think you got it? And they're like, I don't know. I said, if you don't know, you didn't get it. And they're <laughs> like, really? I'm like, if you're asking me, we didn't get it. So, uh I think this coolest thing is because then once they, once that rider starts to truly understand it and feels that lift and all of a sudden that, you know, the, the gate changes, it's not a flat, yes. I call it a, I call when I see horses do it where their heads down, but the rider thinks they're collected. The lazy Mm -hmm. teeter totter, you know, Mm -hmm. where I was always a big kid. So if I put my kid sister on the other end of the teeter totter, I could just keep her hostage just (laughs) up in the air, you know, and that's (laughs) that's a lot of horses. You know, the rider works all this time and getting the head down and you could tell they're so proud of what they've achieved. And this is where you microphone us trainers standing around in a circle inside that loping pen. And we're all like, oh, God, I'm going to have to ride that horse for another half hour. Just to get that shoulder up again. I don't know oh. how he did that. He took 30 days and just washed it right down the toilet. But you got to get that shoulder up. So um, a, a lot of it is just trying to get the, the rider to understand it, understanding the release and that, that collection. And, and, and uh, the, I think the lift I think if, if I had to to pick one thing um, that I've changed over year, I mean, I started riding in my teens. I, I was I'm I'm allergic to horses t- to this day, but I started what? riding, uh, and, and uh, it was I I was always able to keep my hands down, and now mm-hmm. I ride around lifting. So mm-hmm. I think that's a little different.
1: So one thing I want to, when you're talking about the light bulb, when, when the rider feels collection for the first time, I was flashing back to a time, the very first time I felt a horse actually collect, like I succeeded. Right. Once you feel that you never forget what it feels like and you're constantly chasing it. So yep. it really is an instant of, you have to do it to understand how it feels. And then you have to go, wait, how did I do that? And and then that's training. Right. But but yeah, it really is a light bulb moment of like, finally, the horse did what we were doing. We're doing it. And then you lose it. And then you're like, oh,
2: but you got to get it again. <laughs> it, it, you know, there, there are some horses that just offered up so easy and other horses that 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 don't. You know, I think every good trainer, uh, every good trainer is a student. And, and and so when I was having trouble, I'm like, all right, I need help. And, and you know, I, I picked up the phone and called and. And before I knew it, you know, and other good trainers are they're, they're the first ones to be like, yeah, get over here. And, and, and because it, there's something about coaching to your equal or a peer that mm-hmm. that that makes it a, a better clinician, makes a better trainer. Um, and, and, and being coached to as a trainer, clinician makes you uh, a better student and therefore makes you a better trainer as well.
1: I love how you described uh Two clinicians coaching each other. So coaching an equal or a peer, it's also more fun, right? Because you're you you guys get to talk on a totally different language um, that you both understand. It's more elevated. Um, well, I hate to stop you there, but we're we're almost out of time. So I wanted to say thank you for coming on and for sharing that. I think I learned a lot, and I hope our audience did. And and Glenn, I'm sure you learned about collection, right?
0: <laughs> I learned that he probably wasn't allergic to architecture. Right. Um, <laughs> I was.
2: Honest to God, my butt would hurt. The more I sat behind the
0: desk, the more it would hurt. So we stopped it. I just can't do it. <laughs> Thanks, Steve. Where, <laughs> what's your website?
2: Uh, we are. You can go to steve dot uh, net, or just look up Steve Lamphit horsemanship, and uh, it'll take you to our website. And then there's there's links to all of our different sponsors and everything on the bottom, and uh, it'll tell you the times for uh, the Cowboy Channel and our own channel and stuff like that. And perfect.
0: perfect. Mm-hmm. And we'll we'll have that link in the show notes too. And awesome. we had right. awesome. Steve Thank last you. on Horse Radio Network twelve years ago. So I guess we'll talk to you in another twelve years, Steve. You got it. I'll, <laughs> be, right.
1: I'll be I'll be
2: sixty three. So, <laughs> all right, you keep you keep driving. Oh damn it! Hopefully he learns a better stop. I then. <laughs> <laughs> so.
0: Equine Affairs musical celebration of the horse Fantasia is returning to the Eastern States Exposition for three spectacular performances on November 10th, 11th, and 12th of this year. Sponsored by Absorbing, this year's Fantasia features bareback vaulting, drill team routines, reining, fast-paced driving, an exciting performance featuring Icelandic horses and more. Tickets for this beloved family tradition are on sale now at EquineAffair.com and seats sell fast, so get yours today. I see in their fast-paced driving you know my pony was known for bolting i could probably come up and put on a really fast demonstration i bet you could that i, I would pay to see that i'm not Glenn. saying it's safe <laughs> for anybody in the stands or in the ring, it'd be it'd be interesting it'd be good for video good it for tiktok
1: <laughs> yeah you could be a tiktok star i
0: could i could all right who's coming up next
1: All right, so our next guest is Lori Duff, and she is an internationally renowned Canadian equestrian trainer and clinician. She's also a Canadian provincial equine judge, equine business consultant, and motivational speaker. And just like Steve, she will be joining us at Equine Affair in Massachusetts as a headlining general horsemanship clinician.
4: Hi, Lori. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me on the show today. I really appreciate it.
1: Now, you're Canadian, you're up in Canada, and today you're not at home. Where Tell us where you're from, where you're coming from today.
4: Oh, hi, yeah, no, I'm, uh, I'm actually calling you guys or doing the call, and I'm, I'm out on tour, and I'm really happy about that. My base is in Ottawa, Ontario, and I'm actually on the east coast of Canada right now doing a horsemanship training presentation, and I'm doing some private training and starting some horses out here.
1: Well, that's really exciting. That's. Yeah. It sounds like it's torture for you, though. It sounds like you're, you're not having fun at all.
4: <laughs> no, actually, it's a really special event this year because this year is come home year in Newfoundland, and mm-hmm. I'm originally from Newfoundland. Now, I've been gone for quite a long time, uh, but I'm sure happy to come back and see some horse-loving fans and show them and let them experience a little bit about my horsemanship.
1: Yeah, and you get to do it at your home where you were from originally. So that's really cool. Yeah,
4: it's exciting. Yeah.
1: So we are looking forward to having you at Equine Affair this fall. And I understand this is going to be your first time presenting with us.
4: Yes, I'm very excited about that. Um, And it's always it's such a great opportunity because there's such a great format uh, with fairs such as Equine Affair, uh, which I love because you it's a diversified event where you have a different group of uh, people that are presenters or clinicians like myself, and you get a big variety of people that attend so they get so much from it, as, as we do as well, the clinicians and stuff, because you get to meet so many different people. You get to help so many people. So I love that aspect. Uh, I've been to a different few places in the U.S. and I absolutely love it. And I love um, I love getting an opportunity to uh, broaden, or I guess, my, my scope of people that I get to help with horses. And I think as a clinician and a presenter this year at Equine Affair, I'm going to have uh, some riders and some participants throughout the weekend with me. And I'm really excited to see their progress.
1: That's the thing about Equine Affair and the thing about clinicians like you is you love to educate, and Equine Affairs is all about education, and, and something that I was hoping you would share with us today is a little bit about learning better communication skills with our horses. So, um, could you explain, you know, what's your heart or philosophy behind communicating with horses?
4: Um, that's a fantastic question, and you know, we all, I say this quite often um, with a lot of different people and different events and stuff, that Sometimes we are all doing the exact same thing. What I mean is as horse trainers, educators, coaches, uh, mentors, anything that you're doing, you're you're always trying to help or better yourself, your situation, or your student. And I find that um, in my learning a little bit more about myself and it being able to take some of the life lessons that I've learned with horses, with training horses, and turn it into... Um, a, a nice philosophy of horsemanship, and it's a—I I, I w- want to say—a little softer side of horsemanship. Um, in regards to my approach, is really more about helping the participant or the horse owner. Um, with what they're struggling with, about what they've, uh, what they don't have, or the knowledge that they need to have about their horse, their equine partner, and help them get past that struggle. So that's a little bit different of um, what I work with with people when I'm working with them. So my philosophy really does detail working with the horse owner and helping them see uh, specific things like body language and helping them understand what it is that horse is communicating to them. As I do that, I give that horse owner that knowledge. Then we kind of grow their relationship, them and their horse together. So, yeah, I love it.
1: When you talk about growing the relationship together, I was just thinking like it really is a relationship. Even if you have, you know, a dozen horses, you've got a different relationship with each of those horses and you relate to them a little bit differently, right?
4: Oh, absolutely. I tell people that all the time. Your first ride is your last ride. It's your best ride ever. And uh, and, and my horse, my my older guy, Maverick, he was my best teacher and still is to this day. Um, he always kept me looking for a better way to handle not only situations or training opportunities, but to be a better person. And I, I think that I try to really relate that to people. Um, For them with their horses and for them to look for those successes in their relationships, not only just the technical part of it. Absolutely, we all want to advance as horse uh, riders or, um, you know, to educate ourselves about the technical. But I also really love to see people, you know, get on a deeper connection, a deeper level with their horse and a better understanding.
0: Can I uh, let's back up a little bit to body language. So, what's sure. what's the mistake you see people make the most when it comes to recognizing recognizing horses' body language?
4: Um, it's, yeah, that's a, that's a great question. You know, sometimes what I see so often is that we're in such a great hurry to have that moment end, and I it could be something so simple as just haltering your horse and taking your horse for a walk. You know, from the paddock or pasture to the burn, from the burn to the riding arena, whatever, even just riding. It's such a simple little thing. I think that a lot of people, I find personally, um, are rushing past and seeing and wanting the end result of whatever that is. So if they want their horse to stop at their side or if they want, um, you know, a horse to get through a doorway or whatever it is, they want to see it finished. But me personally, I like to be able to help them understand that if you just slow down just a little tiny bit, hey, did you see that swish of that tail? Did you see that ear flicker? Uh, you know, are you listening to your horse's breathing right now? How high is the horse's head? How low is it? How fast paces? And those are one of the, the, the most important moments that we have. And sometimes we miss it because we just want to get it over it. Right. I see a lot of people, you know, just even haltering their horse and the horse is chewing on the halter or uh, the horse is bumping into their space or knocking your cowboy hat off, whatever the case may be. And they're just kind of rushing to get the halter on instead of saying, Hey, this is an excellent opportunity to train the horse to do it the way I would like to see it finished. Like a finished horse for me, Um, in regards to something like that is, you know, one that will stand steady and quiet and be a willing partner and, and an understanding partner and not getting your space and so forth. So when I'm starting a young horse, when I halter it for the first time, I want to halter it like I will in 20 years. So that Mm -hmm. in 20, in 20 years, when I go to halter that horse, it's nice and quiet. I've stopped and I've taken my time and I've made sure that, you know, when I lay the line up and over and I'm, I'm actually attaching it, clipping it or tying the, the rope over, that it's nice, it's consistent, it's steady, and my body language, you know, feeds back to that horse. So, little tiny things like that, and and that's really a lot about. As I said before, when I'm helping people with their horses, and I, I'm teaching and I'm training, I'm really focused on the the, the horse handler uh, more than I'm I'm on the horse. I want the horse handler to see what I see that horse say to them.
0: You know what though? Isn't that kind of a mirror of today's society?
4: Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, 100 percent. Yeah, for sure. And you know what? That's one of the things that I, I love to teach people as we go through a day or two of getting to know each other and getting to know each other's horses and um, just getting you're in you're in a moment when you're doing that stuff, especially in a clinic setting. And I love for people to understand it. The horsemanship I'm teaching them is not only to make you a better horse handler or horse owner, better rider. It's when you go to get in your car to leave to go home, you're a better driver. You're a better partner at home for your husband or your wife. You're a better student. You're a better friend. You're more accountable about your moment that you're in in your life.
1: I love what you just said. I love that idea that being in the moment. So we're not thinking about what's on our phone. We're not thinking about what's on Facebook. We're not thinking about what we're having for dinner later. (laughs) Being in that moment and using don't our go too far i'm always
0: thinking about what's for dinner later so like, let's well, not get crazy here
1: okay 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 so you can have part of your brain think about steak yeah. for tonight yeah okay yeah i got 90- food on
0: there all the time
1: <laughs> the other 95 percent of your brain is how's my horse breathing how's my yeah. horse you know how's his body moving that that stuff really gets to me because it's yeah. so easy to wish time away and go oh i just want to ride or i, yeah. I just want to yeah You know, I just want to go do this and then get out of here. And it's like, no, your horse is right with you. Like cherish this gift, this moment, because so many people want horses and don't have them. Whatever it takes to remind you that this is special and that you pay attention, not to mention the whole safety aspect, right? Of like, hey, you're with a thousand pound animal and he could move in any minute. But yeah, yeah, absolutely.
4: Yeah. No, and it's it's so important, too, that, I mean, as you're saying that, uh, you know, you, you talked about that there. Glenn just for a second and said, you know, we don't want to forget about uh, what we're eating. One of the techniques <laughs> that I use when I'm teaching someone, um, because I want to see the participant, the handler with the horse, get perspective and distance with the horse, and I'm measuring it all the time. And I'm measuring it in such grave detail as I'm watching them connect together. I, I watch like, you know, something in the behind of me, the back of like a riding arena and there's a sign or a letter, like an adressage ring. And I, I say to that person, Hey, you know, relax. What are you doing tonight for dinner? And they'll laugh. And when they laugh, their shoulders come down just a couple of millimeters. And I say to them, Hey, I just saw you do that from, you know, 20 feet away or, you know, 10 meters, whatever it is. And if I saw that change in your physical body, guess who else did? And they go, "Oh wow!" And so there's such a great understanding. But I always do that. I always say, "Hey, what are you having for dinner tonight?" And people. Laugh.
0: <laughs> in all fairness, though, that's all my pony thinks about too. So. Uh, <laughs> well, true. I don't I think, think he's in the true. moment either. I think he's just thinking about food. So.
4: Yeah. Well, they do. They don't. They definitely don't think like us. That's for sure.
1: <laughs> Thanks for bringing me out of that moment, Glenn. <laughs> yeah.
0: Lori, we're running out of time. Where can people find what you do and follow you?
4: Um, I'm on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and I have a website. It's www.LibertyLaneFarm.net, and there is a tab there. You can scroll through my events and my locations where I am from month to month, week to week, and you will definitely see it there very soon. The news is going to be coming out the newsletter that I'll be at Equine Affair, in uh, massachusetts this november 2022 and i'm so excited to be with you guys
0: Well, finally, the Versatile Horse and Rider Competition sponsored by Neutrina is returning to Equine Affair in Massachusetts this fall. On Friday, November 11th, up to 25 pre-selected horses and riders will compete for $5,500 in cash and prizes. Would you like to join them? Apply to compete by visiting equineaffair.com today and filling out the VHRC application form. The deadline to apply to ride in the Versatile Horse Rider Competition is September 9th, 2022. I only have one question on this: Are clowns allowed? Like, I could go as a clown. Um, would that would that be okay? Have you ever had a clown yeah. in this competition? Because I'm, you know,
1: we haven't had anybody in costume, but suddenly that just sounds like a brilliant I idea. Could go as a
0: knight or something, you know, and really spice it. it up a bit.
1: I love it. I think the crowd would love it. It's too.
0: versatile. That that's versatility.
1: It's- that's true.
0: I'm not quite sure true. what new, that's what Neutrina had in mind, but um, <laughs> <laughs> we we could make it interesting. <laughs> uh, well,
1: and it could be an obstacle for the horses, right? Because yeah, they gotta right. deal
0: with you being a clown, around which up is, there.
1: <laughs> it was just terrifying, Glenn. Yeah, exactly. I don't know.
0: <laughs> Me with a lance, that's terrifying. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, everybody, for joining us on this first Equine Affair episode. We hope you learned something along the way and that you enjoyed this. Uh, We're going to be back here. It's the third Thursday of every month talking about Equine Affair. And we're hoping to put something together for the fall. We'll have to announce that next month. We need to work on that a little more. Um, But hopefully we can have some listener meetups up there and and have a good time. Now, I lived in Massachusetts twice. Both times, Yeah. Both times I lived there... We had the biggest snow years in history. The oh. last time I moved out of Massachusetts was after 92 inches in one winter so uh, I and I swore I would never go back to Massachusetts. I would never step foot on that state again. and here we are
1: well, now I'm a little scared that I invited <laughs> you because what I, if you could, make it snow it could
0: be bad <laughs> it could be very bad. <laughs> I don't know about this. Did
1: I say you could come? I actually <laughs> changing your admit. mind all of a sudden, aren't you? <laughs> uh, <laughs> let me backpedal a little bit more. No,
0: okay. What's the website again where everybody can find all the information?
1: It is com, and that is affair with an R-E on the end.
0: It took me 10 years to figure that out, by the way. Um, oh, it takes a lot of people a lot of time <laughs> to figure it out. <laughs> What's going to happen in the future? If you want to find all the past episodes of ECOIN Affair here on Horses in the Morning, you just go to horsesinthemorning.com, scroll down to the middle of the page, and all our Tuesdays and Thursday episodes have a little icon there. You click on it, and it'll bring you to all the past episodes, and that one will be up here when this show comes out. So you'll get the you'll get all the future episodes in there as well. For auditors, Allison is going to ha- shes agreed. She doesn't know what she's getting into. She's agreed <laughs> to hang around for the auditors in a post show. We, so we will have a post show for you today for our auditors. Those are our super fans. If you want to become an auditor, just go to horseradionetwork.com, click on the auditor banner, and for as little as $3 a month, you can join 500 other people in their super secret Facebook group, which is very positive and upbeat, and uh, is a super place to be. And you can also get the post show, which we try and do every day. Um, so that we're, we're hoping that you join us for that as well. Thank you, Allison. You were terrific.
1: Thank you. You were terrific, too. And I'm excited about the post show. All right, everybody. We will see you in November at Equine Affair.